Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rama.org.au forward slash media. Lord, as we look into your word today, Lord, uh, I boldly declare that I could not minister the word without your help. We can do nothing of our own. Jesus could not do anything of his own. So, Father, I trust you for physical strength. I trust you for spiritual strength. Father, thank you that you just help and open everyone's ears to hear, Father, uh, and that we, we would go away here changed because of your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week we started a series, and we're going to finish it up. It's only a two-week series. And then next week we start a brand-new series called Supernatural. And that'll be about four weeks. I don't know if it's four or five, but it'll be the month of October. We, here's our text scripture that we started in 1 John. And before we even look at that, let's like, talk about the born. Last week we talked about born, and we looked at position and privilege. Okay, And now this week what we want to do is we want to look at supremacy, which is we're going to just look at seating and ruling. So that's how, uh, what we're looking at. So we looked uh, at this scripture last week, 1 John 5 and verse 4, uh, and that tells us whatever is born of God overcomes the world. So if you're with us, and, and I, I would say 99% of us, or, or maybe 100%, I don't know, but at least 99% of us in this room today are Christians. And so this means that anybody that's a Christian, if you're born of God, it says that person that's born of God overcomes the world. So whether you feel like it or not, and whether you always have your, a victory, you still can overcome. The Bible says if you're born of God, you're an overcomer. So whatever's happened in the past is past. And you, today, every day is a new day in him. His mercies are new every morning. So if you've had past failures, uh, it's okay, because today is a new day, and today we are born as overcomers, all right? And so we, um, we, we, uh, today what we want to do is we want to talk about seating, all right? So the, the first thing we want to say about seating, we'll talk about seat and seated, actually. So let's talk about a seat. A seat, if you define it, it's to install in a position of authority or eminence. So when we talk about a seat, uh, we're talking about getting installed into a position of authority or eminence. And then even one definition says to fix firmly in place. So thinking about uh, this seat that we talk about, we're seated in heavenly places, we could say that we're fixed firmly in a position of authority or eminence. You know, why don't we, why don't we even, let's say that together. Say, I am fixed firmly in a position of authority. We won't even say the other word. That's enough, okay? And then the word seated. That uh, word means the place where something is located or based. So when we talk about a seat, you know, uh, we could say the center of authority. So when it talks about, the Bible says that we're seated, it's like, this, uh, it's like a place, it's a center of authority. So Christians, we have this place. Uh, we walk on the earth in our flesh, but we have this other place where, spiritually speaking, we're seated. It's, it's a place that we are, we could say it's a center of authority. And we want to look at that today. So just to get us all on the same page, the first thing we want to do is go over some simple things, but it's always good to keep repeating simple things. It helps keep everyone on the same page. So here's the first thing we want to look at today. Number one is the fact that we're all seated together. All right, now you say, well, that's really, boy, that's really simple. Well, you notice here it says, and raised up with him and seated us with him. So notice how that the Bible says that we, it's the us thing. The us, U.S., raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ. 
And you know, why is that important? Well, I, I just know back, you know, I became a Christian you know, about 37 years ago maybe, and I just remember in the early 80s, there was a different style, a way that you ministered, and it was more like that style was the minister knows and he's anointed and just trying to help the people get it, you know? And so it's, over the years, it's, it's, it's morphed into something different. It's more like now, people that minister, we all understand that we all have the same thing. We're a family, and so every single person in this room is raised up, with him and seated so I don't have something that you don't have you don't have something that the person sitting next to you you everyone has it we all have it we're all seated in heavenly places we all have the same potential we can all do the same thing because we're all seated and I think that's an important thing that we should always remember and not forget that no one has any special now, now, when it comes to ministry gifts, you can have a, a special anointing. There can be like an anointing on an evangelist, and they have more miracles. But hey, every Christian can have miracles, you know. You know, there's people that can go out and lay hands on people, and they might not have a pulpit ministry, but they, they can have miracles flowing through their hands. Okay, but there are particular giftings and callings. But like if somebody's particularly gifted and called from a pulpit, as soon as they walk away from the pulpit, they're a Christian, and they can go out on the streets, and sometimes they just operate like a Christian out there. They operate differently behind a pulpit. Okay? The next thing we want to uh, take note of is uh, it's, not, it's not like a yo-yo. Now, uh, are yo-yos still popular? I mean, you know, back in my day, we were in the yo-yos. Could anybody here walk a yo-yo? I could walk the yo-yo. You know, I see somebody... Grant could walk a yo-yo, you know. But, you know, what, you know, it's that thing that you go like that, and it comes up and down, up and down yo-yo. And then the walk it, you have to go like that, you know, and then it, hopefully it stays there. Then you kind of walk it on the floor a little bit. And then you go like that, and it comes back up, you know, walking the yo-yo. Okay, so what do, I, what do I mean by that, you know? It's like, do we go up and down from our seat based on our conduct, because, some, you know, this is important to talk about because maybe some Christians think, well, I haven't really behaved right. I've been walking out of love and I've been out of order and all this other stuff, so am I, like, out of my seat right now? And, and I thought, well, I thought the Lord put it in my heart to bring that up because there might be somebody wondering about that. Okay, so uh, you notice there that Ephesians 2.8 says, it's for by grace you have been saved through faith. So this whole thing is, first of all, by grace through faith. And so this seat that we're talking about, uh, do we come and go from the seat? So here's what the Lord gave me to say about that. Uh, and it's this, that we don't lose our seat because of conduct. However, we won't use our seat while in sinful conduct. Okay? And that's really, so when people, and, and it kind of goes along with James 4, 7, where it says, submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Submit to God, then resist the devil, and he'll flee. So, you know, when people are in, in, a, in a, having this conduct that doesn't line up with the Bible, when they are like that, normally if you're busy doing that, you're not going to really have a lot of confidence to really use the position and, and privilege you have seated in that place. Okay? Uh, because you're in another place, and you, you really aren't confident, all right? So what the wonderful thing about that is, is the Bible tells us, that we're, when anybody's behaving that way, that it says that you can go to the throne room of grace with boldness 
and find mercy and grace to help in a time of need. And so if anybody is with us today and you have been out of order, your conduct hasn't been right, thank God for his grace that you can go up to that throne boldly and have a talk with God. You know, there used to be this old song, like have a, have a little talk with Jesus, you know. And uh, I'll tell you, those talks with Jesus are good. And I, I've walked away feeling wonderful when I just go to the Lord and I say, Father, you know, I, I, I have, I've had an attitude. Some, you know, sometimes everyone thinks the pastor's perfect. And, you know, sometimes I'll get an attitude, you know, and I'm sour about something. You know, and when I get like that, I just go to the Father and I say, Father, I, you know, like... I just want to come right now and I thank you. According to your word, I'm coming to you and I say right now, I've had an attitude, Lord, and I thank you that your blood cleanses me. I receive by faith cleansing, Lord. And Father, I want you to know this, Lord. I, I might have acted wrong, but in my heart, I love you with all of my heart. And I want you to know that I, I know that you made me holy, but I also want to walk holy. And I want you to know, Lord, I want to please you and serve you all the time. Man, you, you just do something like that and you just like, you're like walk away floating. Because you had a talk with Jesus. Just talking with Jesus is wonderful. It's like clearing the, clearing the slate. You know, it's good to do that. The next thing uh, that we want to just make sure everyone's on the same page, closely related, it, it's a free seat. This being seated in heavenly place, it's a free seat. In uh, Ephesians 2.8, it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And then it says, This is not your own doing, it is a gift from God. So nobody could have come up with the plan that God came up with, and nobody uh, can get themselves up into a seat like that. So the seat is free, although free to us, it was very costly to the Father God. He sent his son, but we cannot earn it, okay? Good conduct doesn't earn that seat, okay? We don't work ourselves up into that seat. We are placed into the seat by grace to make sure we all understand that and then when we are out of that seat the wonderful thing is then our work working for him and serving him and everything even exercising authority it springs forth from the seat and we're going to talk that's what we want to talk a little bit about next and so what we want to talk about and this is uh we, we you know very important so we want to talk about work sit and sit work you know and so you know what does that mean I really don't know so like really have a have a good day no <laughs> no so we could we could have said Jesus and us it's it's another way to say it but uh, work sit and sit work what do I mean by that so we'll explain it so Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2 it says looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So we underline that because notice how it says now, he had a work to do, he had to work before he sat. So he endured the cross, work, he dis despising the shame, work. That was like his mission, that was a work for him. So notice that he had to work before he could sit. That's Jesus. But then it's Jesus and us. Now, it is totally backwards or opposite with us. We sit before we work. Okay, so it came into my heart, this uh, statement, because God first loved, 
he obligated himself to first work. Okay, because he first loved, he obligated himself to first work. That's just how he is. So he was required, Jesus then was required to work before he could sit. So it reminded me of this quote from Watchman Nee, a man from China, great man of God. He went home to be with the Lord in 1972. But Watchman Nee said this, he said, but Christianity is a queer business. If at the outset we try to do anything, we get nothing. If we seek to attain something, we miss everything. For Christianity begins not with a big do, but with a big done. And uh, what, what a statement that was. So another way to say that is that Christianity is rooted in the exaltation and seating of Jesus at God's right hand. That's what Christianity is rooted in. Uh, no, no one else has it. You know, all the other guys that are over religions, they, got rot, they rotted in their graves. There's only one that raised out of the grave and not only did he raise out of the grave, he went all the way up and he is seated at the right hand of the creator of the universe. And if there's more than one universe, he's the creator of the universes. And so his son is seated at his right hand and Christianity, uh, because of that, is rooted in the exaltation and seated of, of Jesus at the right hand of the God. You know, no, that, that you know how rare that it doesn't exist what we have think about that we have a seat with jesus right at the right hand of the creator of the universe just amazing okay so um, jesus once he took that seat the invitation went out to the rest of the world for a seat you know i you know my story i went to a bible study to rescue my brother I didn't know that like there was going to be like this invitation to me to get born again and it was really an invitation to get a seat and so instead of rescuing my brother from the born-again Christians I got rescued and became one and I got a seat now this seat is a wonderful thing because out of the seat flows this is we we want to talk about this so our ability to do is dependent upon our willingness to stay seated. Now, now, what do I mean? Because like I just talked about, do we go up and down? No, we don't. We stay in our seat, but here's the thing. The Bible, like spiritually, we're seated, but it's this, you know, this noggin here, this bump here between our shoulders. We need to renew that thing to the Word of God. So you, you're seated in the heavenly place, but if, if you think low if you don't think the way that you are then you are actually not really working from your seat and you want to do things from your seat okay so I, I remember when we lived in Singapore and I, I received a phone call or I, it was an email excuse me I received an email and I some, uh, a, a large ministry from the States asked me if I could help with a meeting they were going to hold in Singapore and I, I said yes I would and they said Here's what we want you to do. We're going to, you know, run out a stadium, and you don't have to take care of all that. But what we want you to do is we want you to pull all the pastors together, bring them into unity to help support the meeting. So I start working on that. The interesting thing to me is the church that supplied a 1,000 workers, 
by far the most workers, and the church to put over $300,000 into the budget, almost paid the budget themselves, they were the church that actually understood that it's by grace that we do things. It's not, it's not our own effort. It's not manipulation. They were so excited about Jesus, and they operated from such a place that they had a 1,000 workers with big smiles on their face, and they were working out of a place of grace. It was a wonderful thing. And, and so a lot of times, even for those here, if you serve in the church, you don't want to like allow your serving to transfer over. You want to stay in that place of grace and rest and stay in your seat, and you don't want to allow your serving to go into a place of works where it gets hard and, and frustrating and laborious. You know, staying in that place of grace and on your seat, it just makes serving so much uh, better, okay? So a few more thoughts about this is sitting is a posture and position of rest. And don't we all like to sit, okay? And so Jesus first finished, and then he sat. We first sit, and then we begin, okay? I'll say it one more time. Jesus, he first finished or finished first, and then he sat. We first sit, and then we start or begin, all right? Jesus worked before he rested, we enter his rest before we work, okay? So another even way, to, the, la, the way, last way that we'll say it is, Jesus sat down after he was finished. We sit down before we start. And that's the wonderful thing about Christianity. So, you, you know, you say, is this important? Well, it is important because you wouldn't want to serve out of works. You wouldn't want to serve out of being manipulated to serve. You wouldn't want to even exercise authority for the... You, you, we want to do things from our seat we want to do things by His grace and do it because we have a willing heart. It's just uh, so much better, okay? So we'll leave that there. We want to talk today about two things. We wanted to talk about seating. Now let's talk about ruling, all right? So ruling, here's a definition for that. Uh, rule and ruling. And uh, if we define rule, it means an authoritative decision or declaration. Rule, an authoritative decision or declaration. And then ruling. Presently exercising authority or power. All right, in other words, it's, it's right now, present tense. If you're ruling, you are presently exercising authority and power. Present tense. So Christians can rule anytime that they want to rule. It's really up to them. So that's what we want to first talk about. Like, when do you rule? It's like now. Now, to make sure we're all on the same page, I know uh, that there's some people that when you're growing up, there was more of this thought that, you know, like, why is this happening to me, and why isn't God doing anything about it? So, you know, like that thought, I'm going to make sure you got that. Why is this happening to me, and why isn't God doing anything about it? Maybe if you grew up with those kind of thoughts, well, here's an easy way to figure that out and to understand, like, when do we rule? We rule now. So with that thought, it's kind of like this. The Bible says the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but God, he, Jesus came to give life and life more abundantly. So it's really easy. Anything that kills, steals, or destroys, the Bible says that's the devil. Then, then it says that Jesus came to give life and life more abundantly. So you know then that if something bad is going on, God isn't behind that because the devil is the one that kills, steals, and destroys. Jesus came to give life and life more abundantly. So you, you think, well, who, when do we rule? We rule right now. And so uh, another thought that connects this would be this. Um, 
Well, let me, let me say a few more things. If you wait for God to do you, your part, he's not going to do it. All right? So God gave us a part. He has a part. God did his part in Jesus, in Christ. He finished. When Jesus was on a cross, he said, it's finished. That was finished. So then God gives us the part that we do. So this whole thought about, like, well, when are you going to do something about it, God? Well, the Bible says that we can rule <clears throat> right now. You don't have to wait. Don't have to wait to do something about it. And we'll leave that there. Let's, we'll, we'll say a few other things coming up here. The next thing that we want to just say real simple about ruling is like, who do we rule? Like who? All right, so here's a statement on that. We rule over only what God promised we could rule over. We rule only, only over what God promised we could. So we don't like rule over each other. You know, uh, we don't dominate each other. You know, the Bible does talk about three important relationships. It says submit to God. Then it's, it tells us to submit to spiritual authority. And if it's not dictator, it's, it's good. You know, and then it says to submit to one another. Okay, so those are three relationships. And, you know, submit can mean yield, that we yield. We yield to God, submit to God. We yield to spiritual authority, and we yield to one another. So the Bible does talk about those things. All right, but we don't rule over each other. And... Uh, we can't control each other's will. So, you know, if I start praying in a way to try to control your will, that goes over into the realm of witch. It's like witchcraft. So if you want somebody to do something, if, if you see somebody that's, like, not really serving God, they're a Christian and they just don't seem like they're really plugged in, and how can you pray for that person? Well, there's a bunch of prayers in Ephesians and Colossians and that's the way that the Lord, so you can pray that people would get a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Jesus. You can pray that their eyes would be open. And that's, those are the kind of prayers that we can pray, but we don't pray manipulation prayers. You never want to pray uh, th like that something would happen to somebody, so like some kind of tragedy so that God can speak to them. We don't, that's not what you pray. Okay, you pray, the way that God set up prayers, you pray that God starts dealing with their heart. Okay, so um, <clears throat> I, I remember that when, and I, you might have heard this story before, but it's still worth telling again. Uh, we're, is Boydie in here? No, okay. Bo Boydie is a, it's a little joke between me and Boydie. Uh, he went through Bible school, and every time I said, did I tell this story? And he knew that I told it, but he'd always go, because he wanted to hear it again. <laughs> so, like, let's do this together. Did I ever tell you that story? Everyone go like that. Go, come on. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> anyway. But when we first heard this message about that we had authority, it was way back in the early 80s, you know. And so in the early 80s, uh, we went to, we were in a church, my brother and I, we went to reserve a place in the park. And uh, this place in the park, we wanted to get the best place. And so we took these two sisters and my brother and I, and we went there to reserve this place. Well, a church got there before we were there. They were already there, and they took the best place. So one of the sisters, she goes, I'll show you how to handle this. And she goes like this. And she went up to the other church people, and she said, in the name of Jesus, I command this, that we, we claim this, and we command you to leave here, and this is ours in Jesus' name, and all this. You know, I don't remember the exact stuff. And we're all like going, wow. And uh, I was just back there in, in January, and her sister is a, a, you know, like a really valuable person in my brother's church. And I said, do you remember when your sister did this? 
Like she's living in Florida now, and I go, that's probably good no, for, for my brother. No. <laughs> no, I'm sure she's cha- we all change and grow. But, but, but so, you know, I, so we kind of pulled her aside and we said, you know, that thing that we learned about authority, that's not what that's for. That's, that's not how we use that, you know. So you understand when we, when we talk about these things, it's not that we do that to each other and we rule over each other, okay? Okay, so um, let's, let's start and get a little bit practical here. Let's talk about then, we're talking about ruling. Let's talk about some hindrances to ruling. You know, are there like things that can hinder you from ruling and reigning in life? Okay, so here's the first one that came into my heart. It's like not knowing who is responsible or behind the attack. So I briefly said something about it, but if you think it's God, you won't fight. Because who of us thinks that we could win a battle with God? You know, if you think God is doing it, you're not going to try to beat him or fight him. All right, so I said it already, like it's really easy. The devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and Jesus came to give life and life more abundantly. It's really easy to know, well, is it God or is it the devil? It's real easy to know. But there are, there are some people, they think, well, maybe, maybe God is sending this to me to teach me something. Did you ever hear that? You know, maybe you've thought that before. But here's, here's something to know, that God does, he does test our hearts and he will, and I'll explain that in a minute, but he doesn't test us with sickness and disease. You know, why did he send his son? And then Jesus, the Bible says, he took our sickness. Our sickness was put on him, and it says, by his stripes we're healed. Why would God do that for us and then decide to use sickness to teach us something? Why would he do that? He wouldn't. And so that's why, you know, the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. You have to know where things come from. If you know it's coming from the devil, you're, then you're going to be, you're going to think, well, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I can handle that, but I can't fight God. Okay? So you know where, where it comes from. Now, this thing about testing, like the way that God will test us, he'll just see if we're willing to do something maybe that we wouldn't want to do. That's the way that he'll test us to see if we're willing to be obedient. So when we moved uh, a thousand miles away to get preparation for what God had for us, my brother told me, he said, I will never move back to our hometown and I will never pastor. He told me that in 1981. So today is 2016 and since 1983, he's been in our hometown and he's been pastoring. Okay? And see, God will do that kind of stuff. You say that you'll never do something and he'll start dealing with, and he'll start, he'll have you do that. You know, so let's all say together that we don't want to be relocated to Hawaii. No. (laughs) Okay, so that's one thing. You have to know where it's coming from, okay? The second thing is uh, sometimes people get in this category where they get hindered because they've been fighting for years. You know, where they, they fought something one time, it came back down the road, and they said, well, I'm tired. You know, and there's different ways that we can help people like that. So the first category is we can teach and explain where, where, where does it come from. And if people know where it comes from, they won't blame God and they'll know it's the devil, we can help them. In this category, if somebody's like been fighting for years, what can you do? Well, the only thing that can refresh us 
It's the Word of God and the Spirit of God. We need to feed people the Word, get the Word in them, and they get refreshed in the Holy Ghost where they want to come back out and fight again. And that's really the only way that you could help somebody in that category. Uh, then another thing that can hinder people is previous failures. Like I tried it and it didn't work. Like a previous failure. And, and so like I'm sure that I've had prayers that weren't, when I say they weren't answered, I really wonder about how I prayed them. Okay, because I prayed prayers before that came right out of the top of my head and they really weren't from the heart. Like the difference is that I notice when I pray, if I feed on God's word and, and meditate on it and it gets really real to me, I pray from a different place when I just say something out of my head because I know it, it's a different thing. So, you know, you, know, you want to make sure before you pray that you're full and all that kind of thing, you know. So I've, I've had prayers, but you know, no matter what I've had or not had, I'll never go against the word. If the Bible says it, it's true. And, and we'll, we'll look at that in a minute here. Uh, but how do you help somebody like that? Well, you know, they might have had a previous failure, but like, let them know about the colonel or something. Who's the colonel? You know, KFC, chicken. You know, he, no, inspiring story. He, he went bankrupt, I don't know how many times, and had failures. And he never quit. You know, Christians, I know that's just, I'm just kind of being cheeky there, but don't quit, even if you had a previous failure. Every time we get out of bed in the morning, his mercies are new, it's a new day, even if you had previous failures, forget the past at last, realize that his mercies are new every morning, and today could be your day to have the victory. Okay? And then uh, another thing is like lack of awareness or understanding of our responsibility to rule. And sometimes people just don't know it. They don't realize they have a lack of awareness or they don't understand that uh, they have the responsibility to rule. They, sometimes people think God and they're thinking, you know, wait to see what God does. And so that brought me to like this Smith Wigglesworth quote that I, I, I ran across this quote. Uh, he was a, a British man, an English man, that uh, powerful man and uh, gone home to be with the Lord. But look what he said. He said, if it is in the Bible... It is so. It's not even to be prayed about. It's to be received and acted upon. Inactivity is a robber which steals blessings. Increase comes by action, by using what we have and know. Your life must be one of going on from faith to faith. Guy was radical back in his day. Radicals. Shook up a lot of things. I like radical people that are you know, that are in good relationship with God. And that is a radical statement. If it's in the Bible, it is so. It's not even to be prayed about. You know, what does that mean? Well, if, if God promised it, if God did it in Christ, and it's already been accomplished, and we have a promise for it, what do you have to wonder about and pray about it for? You know, and, and so if, if something shows up, and we have a promise that's contrary to what shows up, there doesn't have to be like wondering, is that God? What there has to be is exercise authority and command it out and go immediately. There doesn't need to be any thought or prayer about it. That's what he's saying. So here's also from Smith Wigglesworth. He had these four basics. Because let's talk about the basics for ruling. And I thought, you can't improve on what Smith Wigglesworth had. There's nothing new under the sun. So here's what he says. He said, first... Read the Word of God. That's a good thing to do. Then second, 
consume the Word of God until it consumes you. And that's what I'm really talking about. I've prayed before, and it was out of the top of my head, but I've prayed then when it's coming from my spirit. Whole different story. You, you get in the Word of God, and the Word of God consumes you. It changes you, and you're consumed by it. You pray, it's like from your place, your seat. You're different. You know who you are. You know what you have, and you, you come out of that place when you pray. Different story. And then third, of course, if you're doing number two, it's going to be so easy to do number three, and that's believe. Because when, when you get in the Word and it consumes you and you're consumed by the Word, it's easy to believe. Yeah. It really is. And then fourth, and then, hey, when you can believe so easy, it's also easy to act. That was the, the four basics that he had. So here's the thought, you know, the longer that we stay quiet, the longer we are not ruling. And I'll explain it, though. If it, the longer that we stay quiet, the longer we're not ruling. Whoever is talking is ruling. So I told you maybe last week about the guy that I work with, Andy, and he, and he always had these bad pains here, and he kept saying, you know, I, I got cancer, I got cancer. He wasn't a Christian, you know, but... He had a voice coming, probably the devil, and he had a voice coming like, you got cancer, you got cancer, you got, and he took it and said, I, got, I think I got cancer, I think I got cancer. He, there was a voice that wanted to rule him. He believed it, took it, started to talk that way, and guess what? He got cancer, and he, he died, you know? So who's doing the talking? And the, the, the longer amount of time that goes by that we don't talk, then somebody else is talking. So there can be, like, if your mind isn't in line with the Word of God, your mind will tell you things. There's a spiritual realm out there that'll tell you things, lies, you know? And so the minute that you, myself, all of us, the minute we decide to start talking is when we'll start ruling, okay? So with that in mind, here's another, it's Smith Wigglesworth Day, okay? Here's another quote from him. He said, I do not ask my body how it feels. I tell my body how it feels. The dude was radical back then. That's a radical statement. You know, I, I remember a couple years ago when I went, I, 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 I did it to myself, but I ended up in the hospital, and I had some visitation and people coming, and we're goofing around, joking in the room, me and my wife and daughters, and we're having fun, and somebody goes, be quiet. You know, you know be reverent, and... You know, and, and it's all about what, you know, this whole thing about accepting what God is doing to me. And I said, you don't have to be that way. We're going to have fun. I am not there. I'm in a different place. We're, we're having fun there. You know, I like what he said. He said, I don't ask my body how it feels. I tell my body, okay? That goes along with Matthew 8 and verse number 9. It says, for I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. So this Roman centurion, it's interesting, he said, I'm under authority. Remember, we looked at James 4, 7, submit to God and resist the devil, and he'll flee. So this guy's in the military, he said, I'm under authority. But then he said, then I have soldiers under me. So, you know, when we're submitted to God, 
The devil's under our feet. All those things are under our feet. And so notice he says, I say to go and it goes. And that's like even if we just stop right there, because sickness, disease, oppression, depression, all the works of the devil, you're over it and it's under you. We are over that. It's under us and it's subject to our voice. Okay? All right, so... Just this one last thing that we want to say. This, this is not going to be on the screen, but this is the last quote from Smith Wigglesworth. And he says, Every stumbling block must become a stepping stone, and every opposition must become an opportunity. It's a different way, radical statement to go through life. Like every stumbling block must become a stepping stone. So when something shows up, you can view it as this thing tripped me up, or this is just a stepping stone because I'm going from faith to faith and I'm going from glory to glory. And when opposition shows up, you can say, this is an opportunity to act on the word of God. And so really, it's up to us. Father, I thank you today for everyone that's here, Lord. I thank you and I trust, Lord, that what we said today will help, strengthen, bless, educate, help all of us, Father, to do life as Christians, Lord, uh, that we understand, Lord, uh, our authority. We understand the the place that we're seated in. We understand uh, our part, what we need to do, Father. Thank you, Lord, that, that you help make that clear for everyone that's in this room today. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.